This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. We're at the halfway point, ladies and gentlemen. Can you believe Well, that? actually, technically, we're at the halfway point at halftime of the games this week because of the 17-game season. Eight and a half gets you right there. So uh, that means the first marching band has come out. We're waiting for the second we're one. We're waiting for out. the second marching band to come out, correct. Very astute observation of you, Jacob Recht. Sorry, I mean, I'm a fan of the marching band. <laughs> what, are you going to blame me? It's, a, it's an entertaining show every week. I'm Tom Offerman. We're basically at the halfway point, though, so that's why we're going to do our midseason awards for your Pittsburgh Steelers so far this year. Before we get into offensive, defensive player of the midway point, rookie of the midway point, and our play of the midway point, though, got to give a little shout-out to someone that I think will end up on our list anyway, Najee Harris. October's Rookie of the Month for the NFL. Yeah, I like it. This little round, round of applause. applause. No, it's this great. Is absolutely deserved. How surprised were you though? Because over Jamar Chase. Yeah, like I saw that and I immediately went to the mentions of the NFL tweet that tweeted that out. Almost everyone was Chase better. Where's Jamar? Jamar Chase snub. Chase, Chase, Chase. <laughs> Listen, Jamar Chase had a hell of a month of October, but you lose to the Jets. So, I mean, also, how can you really be? And I'm obviously kidding. Caught a touchdown again in that game against the Jets. When but, you're a wide receiver, you got to give credit to your quarterback. And Joe Burrow is a dude. Najee Harris is kind of doing it all on his own. And I think what happens there, too, is Jamar Chase had those absurd games in September. He slowed down a that little bl- bit. Not much, but I think those games blur into people's minds. And you don't realize that Najee's numbers are pretty much just as impressive in the month of October as, as Jamar Chase's. Chase yeah. Najee scored four touchdowns. He had 300-plus yards on the ground, 100-plus yards through the air. Really coming into his own. When we were sitting on with Wolf on Monday, Jacob, he said, that was the first game against the Browns where this kid has become a professional running back. And he said the play that clued him into that was when they were close to the goal line, Najee waited for the double team to develop very patiently, and when he saw the linebacker from the Browns fill one hole, he just took the other hole that was wide open, and that's when Wolf was able to say, that's a professional running back. This guy sees the game. He's becoming an NFL caliber back. Athleticism was already there from day one. We knew that in, in minicamp. Exactly. He was the best Steelers weapon the second he was drafted in April and then stepped on the field for rookie minicamp but now it's the IQ level of an NFL back that's starting to catch up with him it's the vision of an NFL back that's starting to catch up with Mm -hmm. him he's going to be top five in this league as early as maybe by the end of this year Definitely at the start of next year, that's what his expectations will be. I think it's easy to say this year, too, because without Derrick Henry in the mix, that opens up a spot. He is on the path of being the number one back in the NFL one day. He is the best rookie back by far. I mean, name another rookie running back that's doing just what he's doing. You couldn't. There's only one other guy. Etienne was maybe going to, but he's out for the year. And there's only one other guy in Javante Williams. He's doing next to nothing in Denver. He's doing okay. He's doing fine. Splitting carries, though. Next to nothing compared to Najee Harris. He's not the guy. He's 50-50 with Melvin Melvin Gordon. Gordon. And I think Williams is going to – next year, I bet they move on from Gordon and Williams is their starter. But, no, Najee Harris is not only getting the most workload of a rookie running back – 
I think other than Alvin Kamara, or even Alvin Kamara is the only one close to him, he's mm-hmm. getting the most workload of backs in the NFL now that the King is out, of course. The King is out, and Christian McCaffrey has been out. Who he, would have been gotten that workload, yeah. He, he's designated to return from IR this week, so... You know how that story goes. With the Christian McCaffrey? I he's mean, back on IR by next week. I have Chuba Hubbard on my bench. I wasn't panicking at all, seeing that, that Christian McCaffrey was back. I'm just going to keep him sort of on my bench for... One week or two weeks down the line, I'd hold on right to Chuba on. for a little bit. Oh, yeah. I'm not getting rid of him anytime soon. I'm not gonna just give him up and have someone else snag him up. But yeah, Najee Harris. Uh, listen to the names we just went over. We were talking about McCaffrey. We were talking about the King. We're talking about Kamara. These Steelers fans, this is the class that your running back is in mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. Already in this seven class. weeks into his NFL career. Dalvin Cook. I don't know what you're doing in Minnesota oh, this year. Najee's passing you by, buddy. Mm-hmm. I mean. This is what you have, Steelers Nation. Oh, you pick a lineman in the first round. You need to. Ta- I want the seventh best tackle in this draft class. <laughs> we got a dog at running back now. And, folks, when Ben moves on, the easiest way to break in a young quarterback, having that weapon at the running back position. Guess why the Saints are so successful right now? Jameis Winston is an okay quarterback, and if the Steelers can fall into a Jameis next year, they could make the playoffs next year. But Alvin Kamara stirs that drink. Of they course. were able to put up points on the Buccaneers with Simeon at quarterback oh because Kamara was back there. Let's be honest. They don't have a Chase Claypool or Deontay Johnson. No, he decided team. he's out for the year Michael with an Thomas ankle injury. Done. Yeah, they don't. The, their best wide receiver would be would be the equivalent of the fourth string fifth. None of their receivers on that team are better than James Washington. Tight ends. They ain't got no tight ends. They got no fryer moves. It's not Jared Cook anymore, so I have no idea who it is. But it's Kamara that keeps that team on track, and that's what the Steelers have moving forward. Break in a rookie quarterback, you can stay on track because you've got one of the best, if not at that point the best, running back in all of football. And I'm excited. I'm just really excited to see number 22 continue to develop as a Steeler. When Bell was here, he was my favorite player on the team. Of course. Even though A.B. was probably the best, Le'Veon was the most exciting to watch. favorite player on the team. And honestly, I think he was the most important player on those teams. Absolutely. I mean, you saw the usage. You saw how that team performed with him versus without him. It was Even though you had Antonio Brown on your team with Le'Veon not there, whether it was via injuries, suspensions, or sitting out, it was two completely different teams. It's taken eight weeks. I feel the same way about Najee mm-hmm. that I felt about Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. I love watching the kid run. One of the toughest runners in the NFL already, and he's just going to get better and better. That's what Tomlin said. It's uh, A couple weeks ago, Tomlin said that they're not surprised with what Najee's done, and the expectation is for him to get better now. Like they're expect Everything he's doing, they're expecting it and more development to come because that's just the kind of workload you can load on a guy like this is plate. And he's going to go out there and get that job done. So I, I love Najee. And I, you know what? Let's. I think this transitions just perfectly into offensive player of the year, or excuse me, of the midway point for the Steelers. Because it's got to be Najee, There's right? There's no one else. No I mean, one else. Yes, you respect the game of Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. I would put Deontay as my runner-up right now. That's fair. But it's, but it's, it's a really it's a, it's a it's a big gap it's between. It's a runaway yeah show for Najee Harris this guy I mean Tom it, it it astounds me how how well the Steelers played this one by by saying to themselves is the seventh best tackle is the third best guard in this draft class really going to help 
really going to elevate the game that much if Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels or Anthony McFarlane? No. 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 You know who's going to elevate the game of the offensive lineman? It's the play of Najee Harris. And that's exactly what they did. And I got to say, Tom, when we were doing all of our draft preparation, we were saying, okay, say Najee Harris goes. You still don't want to take not someone who isn't the best guard or isn't the best tackle. You would just say to yourself, okay, I'm comfortable taking ATN or I'm comfortable taking Javante Williams. And Javante Williams, let's not forget, started to get a lot of traction as we got closer and closer to the draft. And that last three or four weeks right before the draft, people were saying, is Javante Williams secretly the better running back between or the best running back out of this trio? Right, I mean, it's no question who the best running back it's, is. It's, I mean, there you can't even say, well, if you put Javante Williams on this team, maybe he no, because this offensive line for Pittsburgh still we, we, we say it's on the uptick overall, it's still not a great unit. There's no way Javante Williams is doing the kind of things Najee Harris is doing with the offensive line available in Pittsburgh. Look, we had Denver play the Steelers, so we had a week of examining them closely, but I, I don't want to lie to you, listeners out there. I don't watch much Denver Bronco football. I just don't. What it's a very to do so? boring brand of football, and I'm not going to end up watching the 405 kick between the Broncos and the Chargers. I mean, I'm just not going to do that. I guarantee you, though, Javante Williams, since they're going 50-50, first of all, that's my first clue, but he ain't pass blocking like Najee Harris is. He ain't running routes like Najee Harris is. No, on that on that touchdown pass to, to, to Muth. Pat Fryermuth. Yeah, Javante Williams is going to go in there and, and help Dan Moore take off or or or, or pick off Miles Garrett. It's a sack. That's a 100%. sack. That play is a sack. Miles Garrett's doing a dance on top of Ben Roethlisberger, and the Steelers are trying to figure out how they're going to get this damn ball. Oh no, it would have been a turnover on downs because it was fourth down. Fourth down would have been a sack, and Najee Harris like professional running backs do, goes over opposite side of where he was and makes that chip block on Miles Garrett, giving Ben the time to get the ball out. The credo from on high, from Art Se- or Art Rooney II, sorry. <laughs> we got to improve that run offensive for the Steelers. We got to run the ball better. Dead last in the NFL. Right now, they're sitting at 28th in the NFL. So slowly but surely, they're climbing up that list. There's a lot of teams in striking distance, too. I'd like to see that number isolated for the month of October. They average one yard less per game than the Falcons, two yard less per game than the Giants, five yards less than the the Lions, ten yards less than the Buccaneers. There's a lot of people they can jump real soon if they keep this production up moving forward. I'm telling you, Tom, I would really like to see the number separated between September and October for the Steelers team. Well, don't, I can't. Don't go on a on a year basis. Go month by month, and I want to see where the Steelers stand in yards per game on the rush. Yeah, I, I think that they've been rushing the ball incredibly well. Honestly, uh, the Seattle game is the one that kind of, yeah, you know, they could have run the ball a lot better against a team that's not the best at stopping the run. But as far as a team is concerned, they still had 100 yards on the ground in that game against Seattle. They had 100 yards on the ground against the Browns. So. They're getting closer to that 100 yards per game on the ground average. I I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they had output-wise for the month of October because you know they rushed for that much against the Broncos. Najee Harris did that much on his own in that game for the tune of 122 yards. So, so yeah, Jacob, they're definitely averaging north of 100 in that month. And 
That's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to see. And it's exactly what Rooney wanted. And going back to what you said about, oh, do you take the lineman? Do you take the guard? Is that how you fix the running game? I guarantee you they wouldn't be making these strides if they had the best offensive line in the world and Anthony McFarlane was toting the rock 15 times a game. You got to have the dude, and they That's got the, the thing, dude. Is that Anthony McFarlane would only be getting the ball? The, the, the Steelers would only be going on the ground 15 times per game. There was a point, a couple of there was a game, I think it was the Denver game, of which they ran the ball only twice less than, if not two times more. Then they went with the pass. And then this past week, I think it was Ben had 36 rush attempts and <laughs> or 36 pass attempts, and we had 29 rushing attempts. So that number is coming to be so close to 50-50. If not in the reverse, hopefully one day it's going to be 60-40 in favor of the rush or of the run game. There is no way that those numbers are even realistically in the realm of a possibility if it's just an offensive lineman from the rookie class and in the first taken in the first round and Anthony McFarlane or or Benny Snell or or Jalen Samuels who would still be on the roster because there would be no Najee Harris. Right now in the month of October, I just did some math while you were talking. You ready for this? You want to hear yeah, what the I average do. is? What do you think it is? For the Steelers on the on, on average for the four games in October. I would guess somewhere around hundred and twenty five. Oh, Am I am I dreaming? You got a little too greedy uh, there. Is it like 110? 110.75 yards oh, I was on right the ground. Those are my second guess. There you go. Yeah, 110.75 yards That's on the what, ground per game. That's 30 yards better than it is on the season as a whole? They only rushed for 62 yards against the Packers, too, as a team. So that's a kind of an anchor, bringing them down a little bit. Mm-hmm. You cut that game so off. cut off the first game of that month. They're basically around 125 because mm-hmm. they got 147 against Denver, 119 against Seattle, and 115 last week against the Browns. Things are looking up as far as that rushing game is concerned. And you can fully expect that number to hover around the 125 mark Yes, against the Bears. I believe so. I'd be well. upset if it didn't reach 125. Completely agree with that one. So, yeah, Najee Harris, definitely our offensive player of the year. On the defensive side of things, this is where I think it can either be one or the other guy. I'm I'm gonna give it to Cam Hayward though. Oh, I'm I'm right there with you. You're me. giving it to Cam too. Yeah, as much as we love TJ yes. and his flash plays, you cannot deny that Cam Hayward is not just having the best play, the best season on the defensive side of the ball for the Steelers. He's my front runner for defensive player of the year league wide. I don't think that's a crazy take. It's not gonna happen because he doesn't have the splash that you need. But I do not think that. If you talk to some of the hardcore NFL guys, yeah, he's defensive player of the year. I think so too. He's what he's able to do playing with a bunch of Jimmys and Joes on that defensive line after all the injuries they've suffered is so commendable. And for him to be so dominant when he's facing double, triple teams, I mean, I don't know if there's a hand there's probably a handful of plays throughout every game where he's a one-on-one matchup. Mm-hmm. Everything else is two guys on number 97, and he's still a wrecking ball. I mean, this guy's been at an all-pro level for a while now. He might be having his best season ever this year. He's and like a fine wine, He's really Tom. aging beautifully at he, a position that does not warrant aging gracefully at all. He, When you play on the, on the line, whether it's offense or defense, you're having the most hits on you. It's a car crash helmet. every yeah, time. Every time. You should be slowing down every year when you when you play in your NFL career. Once you hit the the, the thirty wall, 
you are expected to kind of take a step back year after year. Cam Hayward has only improved as he's gotten older. Every year. Not just in his physical skills, but his recognition or, or his knowledge of the game is second to none. The, guy, the way the guy prepares and the way the guy executes is second to none. And you match that with his physical ability, that's why you're seeing this defensive prowess by him. And it's even more commendable, as you mentioned, because he's without his Robin and Robin squared. I mean, he has. No I would point. call two it Batman. There's just, there are two Batmans out there. A two it and yeah, a Hayward okay, is. But he's he's without. He's both without men. him. They're without Alu Alu. They're without Carlos Davis. For God's sakes, he's working with the fourth and fifth stringers. And he's still having this good of the year. When when you have an offensive or a defensive lineman who's your number one guy playing alongside the fourth and fifth stringers. Every offense is saying to themselves, well, there's only one guy we got to plan Keon, for. We single-team bugs, single-team Loudermilk, who well, cares? Triple-team Cam, doesn't matter. He's still jumping up on the line of scrimmage, passing or er, swatting balls down. He's still penetrating pockets, getting QB hits, dating sacks, like I said in an episode uh, earlier today where he hasn't been doing as much as he once did when he was younger, but somehow he's racking up the sacks this year. I think Baker said it best before the Browns game. They were asking him, you know, pre-snap, you, you take a peek at number 90 every time, make sure you know where he is on the field at all times, and he answered, yeah, and 97 too. And it like immediately went right to adding 97 to that category because, listen, I think Hayward flies under the radar because he plays at a position that flies under the radar, and if you're not Aaron Donald, no one really recognizes how dominant you are there. Mm-hmm. But Cam Hayward's been better than Aaron Donald Cam, this year. I was going to say, Cam Hayward's doing a better job on the de- on the defensive line this year than Aaron Donald. He is. He's the, no, he's to the me, be- there is no debate. It's it's easier to debate between Aaron Donald and T.J. Well last year because it's different positions. When it's the same position, I have no problem saying Cam Hayward's doing better this year than Aaron Donald. But the people that need to know a.k.a. quarterbacks that are going up against the Steelers like Baker last week, they know how big 97 is, and they know how tough he is to stop, and you got you got to keep tabs on him at all points when you're playing quarterback in this league, and you you got to shift your protection towards him because he is a game wrecker, and he's doing that this year. Rookie of the year, or rookie, I keep doing that. Rookie of the midway point, before we get to our best play of the midway point. Najee. See, I was going to go with Fryermuth just because we already gave Najee the no, offensive Najee player of the year. I'm you giving it to Fryermuth. I'm giving my rookie. Fryermuth, I just did. I'm giving my rookie of the year to Fryermuth. Rookie of the year. I can do whatever I want with it. And I like to spread the wealth out, and I don't want Najee to get too big of a head and have two Steeler Standards awards on his trophy case. I'll happily give it to him. Fine. That's because your prerogative. What? Because guess what? You hate Fryermuth. That's what. No, I don't <laughs> hate the Muth. I love the Muth. I think. Najee Harris is going to win Rookie of the Year. NFL Rookie of the Year? Offensive Rookie of the Year by the by the season's end, yes. If the Steelers make the playoffs, I think it's a lock. You have to. I think it's a lock because he's because the reason you're not, why. You're not getting – the Bengals aren't going to make it to the playoffs based solely on the play of Jamar Chase. No. It's because of Joe Burrow. No. Joe, Jamar Chase helps for sure, but, yeah, Joe Burrow's going to get the credit. I think the Steelers' credit is going to go to Najee. The Steelers the playoffs because of the additional piece of Najee Harris. Let me just make my case for Fryermuth. Yeah, though. I mean, listen. They have don't not— Don't put words in my mouth and say I hate Pat Fryermuth. You hate Pat Fryermuth. I love the guy. They have not had a tight end like that since, since the days Heath of Heath Miller. Heath Miller. Someone, and someone tweeted a picture of, 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 of Pat and Gentry on the field together saying, 
This is Heath Miller and Matt Spath 2.0, and you can't convince me otherwise. I think Fryermuth's going to be a better pass catcher than Heath Miller was, though. I think he might already be. I, don't, I think I, he already is, too, but that <laughs> wasn't, that's nothing against Heath. Heath no, was it's a different position. blocking tight end first, catch, catching tight end second. Since Heath has left the league, the tight end position has gone into a cocoon and emerged as a new butterfly. I mean, the position has completely evolved since then. I mean, even when he came in the league as a rookie in 05, there were still guys like Tony Gonzalez. And yeah, you had the unicorns like that. But now it's like every team wants a Tony Gonzalez. Right. Like, that's the M.O. for your top tight end. Is I'm blanking on the other guy. Uh, Antonio Gates was Gordon, good. Antonio Gates. Yeah, thing. Antonio Gates was, was uh, a Shannon. Shannon Sharp was the one that set that the blueprint started for it. All, it. Sure. Yeah. But but you came. he came into the era of which Jason Witten, Tony Gonzalez, and Antonio Gates were all there. Starting to make that shift towards it, but now it's all you want that Kelsey. You want the Kittle. You Once want Gronk those guys. Came in, yeah, really exactly. And I, Fryermuth, I think, checks that box more than the other guy's mm-hmm. box. I think he's uh, a Gronk. I think he's a, a Kelsey. I think he's a game breaker on that offense. And I he's think only going to get think better. He's going, I think he is going to enter that class of Kittle, Kelsey, Gronk. Loved Heath Miller. Steelers, Steelers Hall of Honor member for sure one day. No doubt. I don't know if he makes that catch in the end zone that Fryermuth made. I don't know. That if takes he does a different either. level of concentration and a different level of of hands. Heath made some great plays in his time. Yes. We don't we don't need to go down that road because we could spend a whole episode talking about how much we loved watching that guy growing up. But I I think you're right because as we said in the locker room when we were on in the locker room with Wolf, all you heard out of Pat Fryermuth's camp after you drafted him was the guy never dropped a red zone target. Never, not once. An end zone target. He dropped a red zone target in the NFL, and I think it was week two, but he's been sure-handed ever since. But boy, I mean, first of all, it kind of reminds me of the San Antonio Holmes Super Bowl catch where on se- on first down, San Antonio Holmes was wide, wide open. open in the corner of the, right, of the left end zone, and then on second down, he had three defenders on him, s- somehow got the ball. When it was week two against the Raiders, yes, he dropped that ball. Much easier catch than he made against Cleveland. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. I'd say and so. And much more dire straights. That, the game wasn't on the line at that point. It was fourth down and goal for the Steelers when he was facing that t- when he when he made that touchdown catch. Got to be. You know what the best part about that too? It, first of all, it's got to be such a big confidence boost for him. Of course. Just doing that on the road in front of Cleveland. The best though is if you watch the one camera angle that can see the crowd and Firemuth make the play. Firemuth gets up and he does the touchdown to the ref and he's looking to see like he knows he got it and uh. he just needs to make sure the ref did. Every Cleveland fan is making the incomplete <laughs> sign and saying, no way, no way. Then the ref does touchdown. Frymouth gives it the big spike in front of their face. And the fan, fans are like pointing like, no, he didn't catch it. <laughs> no. And it's, it it's, I love also, drinking the tears right there. Of course. I'm, I mean, I'm making all these comparisons. When Najee Harris made that one catch during minicamp and Dale Lolly had, made the, had posited the question, were you kind of surprised by yourself that you made that good of a catch? And he was like, you know what I'm talking come about. He's, just, he, he, he's extending his entire body and catching it left-handed or something. And he went, come with on. His, with his body kind of contorted away from the ball. Najee Harris says, I've been making those catches come my on, entire Dale. life, man. Come Not just on, Dale. Come on. In high school and middle school, I've been doing it my whole life. Do you think Pat Firing was, was, kind of, was kind of thinking to himself, be surprised if you want. I knew I could catch I can a do ball this. Like that. And I think Ben knew he could do that early on, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, after the Lions preseason game, he said, was hoping to keep that weapon a secret a little bit longer than I did. And I think he did a good job because I think this was the big game for – I mean, clearly this was the big game for Pat on the year. Finally, our 
best play of the midway point for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going with the T.J. Watt strip sack of Geno Smith in the Seattle game in overtime. That play won the Steelers that football game. I honestly think that they were heading towards a tie if it was just going to be punt, 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 punt. I don't think the offenses were going to get themselves into field goal range. But T.J. Watt took care of business for the Steelers offense and forced that big turnover that got them into field goal range to win that football game. Yeah, I think that's the play of the midway point, but I have a feeling if the Steelers are going to make the playoffs, and if they do, when we do our end-of-year awards, there will be a much bigger play made down the stretch. But and, as of right now, I got TJ strip sack against Seattle. Totally play, of the, play of the midway point. Totally fair. That that play came in October. I would be very upset if there wasn't a bigger play made in, in the months of November. Well, you're going to have to if you want to make the exactly. playoffs. Exactly. You're going to have to, especially against these better teams, too, that we've talked about so many times on this show. Uh, since you went defense, I'll go offense. We just talked about the the um, catch by Pat Fryermuth. So, as you said, you don't want to give too much credit to one one guy or one play. So I'll spread the love elsewhere. I'll go with I'll go with the Deontay Johnson catch in Week One against the Bills. Against the Bills, equally equally of a diff, equally as difficult of a catch to make. I'd be interested the next gen stats how they show you the percentages of a likely catch to happen. I'm sure they're both at something like 30%, if not less than that. Both came in, in such important times of the game. The Steelers were down 9 to 10 against the Browns when Pat made that catch. The Steelers were I think they were they were up and it was right before the block punt by the Bills or by the Steelers on the Bills. So they had the lead, it extended the lead, and then the, the, the block punt put the nail in the coffin. So I'm just going to go on offense. I mean, we haven't talked about that catch in a long time. It's a great it feels catch. feels like it was all the way, it was a year ago almost. It, was it feels so catch. long ago. It was a great catch. Deontay's been such a good, I'll say this, we gave Najee our offensive player of the year, and I, I mentioned, I, I think not, or I think Deontay's my runner-up right now, honestly. I think... He's been stepping up and not playing like receiver number one, but he's not playing like not receiver number one. Does that make any sense? Yeah. What What am I doing, Tom? Zero drops. This I'm holding year so up far. a zero. I think he zero had a drop drops. last week, though. I think it was. I think it was too. I think the ball was thrown too low that it could be considered an error on Ben's part. Well, drops are subjective too. It's all about the home team's score. About the if that pass was uncatchable or if that was actually a drop. So maybe since they were playing at home or they were on the road last week, it might be the Browns. You suck, Deontay. Drop. He has not sucked this year in the slightest. And yeah, it's it's a weird thing. But with Juju being out, I think Deontay's your most sure-handed receiver, and he had the worst case of the drops than anybody not named Eric Ebron last year. So. It's funny how things change from year to year, but last year, third and four, please don't throw it to Deontay. He's going to drop it. This year, mm-hmm. I don't know who I'd rather have the ball thrown to on a play that you absolutely need it to be caught. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'll say this to, to wrap things up. We've gone best play. How about best game of the year so far? The Browns game, right? Right. You would think it would be Buffalo. You would think coming into week one, no one's picking the Steelers. Everyone's saying this is the Browns. This is going to be Browns 1 or no on their way to the AFC Championship game, if not the Super Bowl. Not the case. 
did not think I would be more impressed with the win after that Buffalo game. It's just that this one meant so much. It, it, if they were three and four instead of four and three, it would be so different. Not outlook. only that, but the surrounding circumstances. After the Browns embarrassed you in the wild card game, yeah, I just going, love beating the Browns. Into, just love beating the Browns. You're going into Cleveland. They're they're so hungry to beat you again. Not only are they so hungry to beat you again, they think it's in the bag. Like they uh, think yeah, this they game's really an do. easy one. Like w- the they Browns, were like, "We're going to get back on track." They're like, drinking the Baker Kool Aid, saying, "Oh, we got Baker back. Baker's back, no baby. It's a win. Baker's back, baby. We're healthy. We're going to run all over the Steelers. This is the Browns get right game." Bug on the windshield, as they have been so many times. Again, it's wild for me to say that the Bills win isn't my favorite win on the year. Because after that win in Week One, I was on, I was on cloud. Nine. I know, but yeah, I get it. You know, the Bills are a great team and probably the best team in the AFC, so that's a great win. There's no animosity towards the Bills. I mean, no, they're I the Bills. Like... They love losing Super Bowls my, up there. In, in our generation, the Bills have been a nobody. Non-factor. But the Browns hate the Browns, especially their new cocky attitude. I'm glad they got a little taste of their own medicine. And they might get another one against another rival this coming week when they play the Bengals. That'll do it for this episode of Steelers Standard and our midseason awards for your Pittsburgh Steelers. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Opferman. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen, and we'll talk to you guys next time.